The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus the IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's November the 10th, 2023, and this is episode number 10. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about Kyle driving and charging the Rolls-Royce Spectre, the debut of Ram 1500 Ram Charger. Rivian is taking orders for its electric delivery van from companies not called Amazon. And of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the convivial Mr. Tom Malogny, a senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. And we also have the mannerly Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily podcast, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic practically palatial halls of Autospec Studios, where he produces high voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. Hi there, everybody. Morning. Good to see you all. All right. So uh, I guess let's get this going and kick it over with Martin for the EV News Daily Weekly Reporting Roundup. Well, in the news this week, Ram debuted their truck version of the old BMW i3, a series hybrid always propelled by electric motors and a battery slightly under 100 kilowatt hours. So big miles on EV range if you charge it. But also a V6 engine working as a generator, along with the petrol tank and all of the combustion gubbins that'll need servicing. Is it the best of both worlds? Or a jack of all trades and master of none? You decide. We'll talk about that a lot on the podcast today. Perhaps a misstep, though, on the marketing lines the CEO was given to say... Tim Kaniskis, the Ram brand CEO, said, with unlimited battery electric range. The Ram 1500 Ram Charger is the pinnacle of light-duty pickup truck segments and the ultimate electric truck. The new Ram Charger is a beast of a light-duty, 633 horsepower, 615 pound-feet of torque, 4 seconds 0 to 60 mph, 14,000 pounds of towing, and zero need for a public charger. Well, it was that that caused so much pushback from the EV community. People pointing out, it's not a perpetual motion machine. It doesn't have unlimited battery range. And if you're so proud of zero need of charging, why did you give it an expensive 400 volt, 145 kilowatt peak charging architecture? Just make it a hybrid like the Nissan e-power system that doesn't have a plug on the side if you hate charging so much. So possibly a great truck, but a big fail on how it was communicated according to many in the automotive press. We'll hear from our panel of experts later on what they think. Next, BMW positioned themselves as the next-gen EV battery specialists, with batteries anticipated to exceed 
Tesla's own capabilities. BMW Group's production chief asserts their upcoming EV batteries will set a benchmark that Tesla will have to follow. Newly designed cylindrical cells uh, by 46 millimeters in diameter, either 4695, so 95 is the, the height in millimeters, uh, 4695s or 46120s, according to the purpose and the car that BMW will put those into from 2025 on their Neue Klasse. Volvo's EX30 has been driven by the automotive press. Embargo lifted a few days ago, and now we can talk about all those first drives that happen and watch those great YouTube videos. Uh, the EX30 electric crossover starts at 36245 US dollars I'm talking by the way 36245 destination charges included uh, pricing starts at 4185 for the dual motor and it goes up to 47895 single motor extended range probably going to be the one you want to get though with a 69 kilowatt hour battery 64 usable 153 kilowatts uh, peak charging speed on that no qualification for the IRA tax credit as the vehicle and battery are not uh, North American sourced, but still coming in at an amazing price. Next, Tesla's lead designer, Franz von Holzhausen, took a pre-production Cybertruck to Malibu Cars and Coffee, and it was Matt Black Rap. Now, auto journalist Daniel Golson turned up and took a few close-up pictures, which showed that just a few weeks away from the vehicle going to real customers... The best they can show off is misaligned panels, a hood that doesn't shut, and clearly manufacturing complexity. Sharp angles and flat surfaces are a real production challenge that, well, no one else has taken on apart from Tesla, and they'll have to sort this before November 30th. Lucid is going to use Tesla's charging standard, despite the supercharger's low voltage rating. They're kind of hobbling Lucid's 800-900 volt system. Uh, Lucid acknowledges that broader access to chargers is a key benefit to the customers, despite uh, many of those being limited to 50 kilowatts because of the onboard process that happens on Lucid's. V4's rolling out at 1,000 volts, actually at least on the, the nameplate, uh, would solve all of that. Tesla is upgrading their chargers. Jeep in their electrified future was in the news this week. Stellantis outlined their shift towards EVs in an agreement with the UAW. This this union agreement seemed to leak online, which said that Jeep's Grand Cherokee EV comes out in 2027. That the all-electric Jeep Wrangler, the J70 as it's known internally, will be 2028. The Jeep Gladiator gets a plug-in by 2025. Belvedere will have a $3.2 billion investment to support EVs. The Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer uh, get updates from 2025 on the STLA platform and will have a range extender hybrid like the Ram Charger and a Pure EV to follow. And the Ram Rev, the 1500 Pure Electric truck, begins production next year. Well, finally, I'll talk about Audi launching production of their electric motors for their joint Porsche platform, the PPE, Premium Platform Electric. The motors have now gone into production as of this week at their plant in Hungary, which does mean, of course, we've been waiting for a long time, but those cars should be coming at least in the next three to six months, so we think we'll, we'll see them at least. And Tesla is turning on the V4s in Germany a big deal because Germany has quite strict rules on metering and calibration and certification. So either Tesla's taken a flyer and we'll you know seek apology later. I think what's happened here, they finally got that sorted out. And now our German viewers and listeners can use v4 loads more news this week you can catch up on the EV News Daily podcast. But for our roundup here, that's me done. Back to you, Dom. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> that was great. Thank you, Martin, for that. That was awesome. Um, right. So let's start maybe with, I guess, Kyle. 
so you've had a busy week of as usual actually you always have busy weeks you've driven but you've driven from colorado all the way across the country to east coast to spartanburg or greenville south carolina in your Irving r1t to spend some quality time with some uh, bmws on the street on the track uh, but somehow besides doing all that you also managed to snag a couple different rolls royce specters <laughs> and did some filming so i want to ask does it drift but really really i want to know how it charges and drives and, and whether you really ate fried chicken from bojangles inside of it uh well we did thorough testing with the six hundred thousand dollar rolls royce specter that we were driving <laughs> we took it to bojangles chick-fil-a and mcdonald's <laughs> all to make sure it could do the things you know at the end of the day it's important to i guess Whenever we do a video on a car or test a car, uh, you should always keep the customer in, customer in mind, right? So it needs to be somewhat customer representative driving. And with a Rolls Royce, you have to remember, yeah, it's really expensive, but people are still people and they're going to do things that normal people do. So yeah, that's why we had to take it through the drive-throughs, make sure you could do all that. But beyond that, um, you know, the average use case of the Spectre is going to be a much lower mileage than a typical... Tesla Model 3, BMW i5, or i7, something like that. We're, we're really only going to expect to see, on average, maybe a couple thousand miles a year at the most put on the majority of Spectres. These are cars that some owners will daily drive, yes, and charge it home or charge at their office. Some of them will leave it at their second home and take their Cullinan up to the second home. I mean, the, the use case is varied. But the car's 420 grand base. You're going to expect to see most optioned in the five hundred to six hundred thousand dollar price range, and um, so you know five to six hundred grand. The car needs to do everything. So we tested it, uh, and, and again, for some people this is pocket change. For some people it'll be a stretch. Um, you just have to, you know, the price is all relative uh, to to the buyer, and there's certainly a buyer for this. Yeah, so I did some efficiency testing. I did some charge testing. And what's interesting is the specs on the car line up pretty closely with the i7, but it's not exactly an i7 battery. They use a higher density cell that can run at warmer temperatures, I'm told. Uh, it's 102 kilowatt hour usable. No one knew the gross capacity of the battery pack, but I'm going to guess 115 to 120. Um, you know, the thing's heavy. It's 6,500 pounds. And it has the basically the IX motors that are in it, 520 horsepower, more than adequate acceleration, somewhere in the fours is what it feels like. And beyond the numbers, beyond the specs, uh, I guess I'll finish with the charging specs, 205 kilowatt peak charging speeds, very BMW curve where it just kind of sits flat, uh, especially in the mid range of the battery. We noticed, and I'll have a whole video breaking down the charging curve, but it's about an hour zero to full, which is totally fine, totally acceptable. But most of the time people will charge at home. I just thought it was so funny pulling up to a Sam's Club or Walmart parking lot with a Spectre charging in the middle of the night and all the other people coming around being like, what the heck is this thing? What are you doing here? And uh, we saw so many viewers at the charging station uh, with the Spectre. It was really great. So they were all in the car checking it out. It was really fun. Uh, it was really great to, to see everyone as we did this. Um, uh, continuing on just really quick, this car will support NACs. So it will have a North American charging standard uh, port on it as soon as they're able, and then an adapter coming as soon as they're able to access the supercharger network. But again, most people will charge at home. Now to the magic of the Spectre. 
everything I told you now is not class leading. The efficiency was 2.7 miles per kilowatt hour at 70 miles an hour, which is pretty poor. Um, but again, it's got a basic slab on it. It's on 23 inch wheels. Everything here is about excess. It's 266 mile EPA range, which seemed achievable. Um, like it, it, but, but the point of this car is not range. It's not charging. It's, yeah. it's going to have more than enough for everyone. The point of this car, the magic of the specter was the noise you hear and feel not a thing. I'm not even joking. I thought the I seven was extremely quiet. And I'm like, you can't get any more quiet than an i7 or even an iX is really good. This is genuinely, you cannot tell you're moving unless you put a steering input and you just feel a little move. That's the only way you know. And uh, you can literally do, you know, 90 miles an hour and just whisper to people like this. It's insane. So that's what I really loved about it. Suspension, of course, was unbelievably compliant, well-tuned, active damper, active roll stabilization. Um, yeah, it's actually built on the Ghost chassis, not the i7 chassis. So it's a it's oh, really, really well suited for this. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because I was I was under the impression it was going to be built on the i7 chassis. So it doesn't really carry that many things over from the i7. Uh, electrical architecture, so motors, battery, all that stuff's from existing BMW parts bin. Um, okay. But uh, the battery is actually, this is the first time they're using the battery in the Spectre, but it's possible it'll be used in BMW in the future is kind of what I'm feeling. And just absolutely uh, a, an insane experience. Tom, do you have some questions for, for Kyle there? Not yeah. really. I just think it's amazing. It weighs as much as my lightning. <laughs> <laughs> With a with a hundred and you know forty some odd battery pack, you know kilowatt hour battery pack, a big lightning. The lightning, my lightning weighs sixty six hundred. Some of them weigh less. What did you say? Sixty three hundred, sixty four hundred pounds. Yeah, I that? forget the exact, but it's it's sixty four fifty. It's somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy. Deliveries have started three weeks ago in the U.S., so they're already oh. out there. So keep an okay. eye on your local Walmart charging station. You might see uh-huh. one roll up. What else was I going to say about it? Yeah, 6,500 pounds, 266 EPA. But yes, I also checked the EPA site, Dom, and could not find anything there. Um, Rolls-Royce was really funny. I was talking to their communications team about this car before I drove it and everything because, you know, it was really cool. They were letting a lot of journalists drive it. But I'm like, yeah, we need to drive it. But like, we need to like really take this car for the night and do some stuff. And they were like, so what do you want to do with it? I'm like, well, we're just going to charge it. We're going to do efficiency testing. So I'm like, I just need to know motors battery capacities and they're like we don't really know any of this this is not our world you know no one asks wow. <laughs> it's just you know well, doesn't they can tell you what enough. type of leather it is and what the stitching oh, yeah. is and <laughs> all that <laughs> yeah. how many how many stars there are in that ceiling that ceiling is so awesome man the shooting stars i didn't realize shooting that was the stars. thing that that starlight headliner and they even put it in the doors in the specter for the first time it's the first rolls royce to feature driving assistance so it will do the, you know it has the bmw lane centering which is amazing so same out of the ix and things like that um, it also has android auto carplay it has a pretty damn good sound system once you dial it in and uh you know it's crazy to think that you know four hundred twenty thousand dollars starting price you'll never see one that cheap these things are going to be 550 average um, which right. is just just crazy, and you know what? They're they're already sold out for as long as they they can. Uh, yeah. It's the first of many electric Rolls Royce to come. There will probably be a black badge version of this car. There will probably be a drop head version of this car, being a a convertible. The dimensions are the same yeah. as the old Phantom uh, Coupe, which is pretty wild. 
And so it's huge. You drive it on the road, you literally feel like it's the size of a Suburban or Tom's Lightning going down the road. It's massive. Um, and I think all of the weight just went to sound insulation because you don't hear or feel a thing. It's it's indescribably good. If anyone has the opportunity to drive one, please go drive one. <laughs> so I think uh, they only closed the, the factory for maybe two weeks last year. Uh, Goodwood's on the south coast where I am. It's not far, not too far away. And I think the only thing they had to do was they realized that once the battery is installed, the sleds they had to move the cars along the production line became too heavy. So they had to get the wheels on the cars earlier for the EV so they could become rollers and they could move them along. But there's been no new factory built. These roll down the same production line at Goodwood as the combustion stuff. They've trained all of their staff to make these and the high voltage parts alongside all the combustion bits. And, and they'll manage that transition according to how many people want them. As Kyle says, lots of their buyers want them because it's, I love talking about stuff like this because I'm never going to own one. But it's so fascinating to hear about people who this is their eighth car in the garage, you know, in the south of France, and they will nearly always charge it at home. But Rolls-Royce had to make sure it it will fast charge and it will go a decent amount of miles. But it'll drive 30 miles around the south of France and come back home again. Uh, but fascinating how Rolls-Royce are making this and how they're doing the transition so that each car that comes down the production line at Rolls-Royce is obviously different. Like Dom, you said that, that headliner inside, uh, the, but that headliner of all the stars can be anything you want. So if you want it to be the constellation of the sky on the day you were born, well then of course Rolls-Royce will create those little micro those fiber optics into what the stars looked like the day you were born or you know a certain memorable day. So every car will be different. There's no base spec and it's really fascinating to see how they're how they're doing the transition. It's almost the same as the parent company BMW who have their thing, you know, the power of choice and each car that comes down is that you know an engine or a battery. Well, it, you know, if you're making a three series, that's bonkers. If you're making a Rolls Royce, that makes total sense. So really interesting how it's made as well. When these things are depreciating in three to five years, that's going to be the buy. Oh yeah. <laughs> none of them will have miles. Now, I think, like, true. Uh, you know, Rolls Royces in general hold their value extremely yeah. well, but we don't know what the electric thing is going to do. There's certainly a subset of Rolls-Royce buyer that's like, don't bring this thing near me. Uh, but then there's also a ton of buyers that are so into it. And even talking to some of the Rolls-Royce folks that were here at this event, uh, they're like a surprisingly high number of them are putting DC chargers in at home, doing electrical service upgrades. And I'm like, why would they ever do that? And they're like, well, these people just <laughs> love them. Can. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have to ask you, so you spent a lot of time in the BMW i7. That's an expensive car. How does this compare in terms of being next level? Uh, it's incomparable. I mean, they are in totally different classes of vehicles. There's when you're in the Spectre, it is a entirely different experience from the i7. It's way softer. It's way quieter. It's way more plush. It's way more finely tuned. And I thought we were at the peak with the i7. <laughs> and then boom, Rolls Royce just, you know, absolutely blowing everything out of the water from a comfort perspective. If yeah. you want the most comfortable experience, get a Spectre. You'll live a much better life. And so, um, yeah, that's that's the way to do it. Just buy a Spectre. You'll be happy. Yeah. Well, get wow. two of them, Kyle. You know, his and hers. Some people have. Some <laughs> no, people I know. Like, ah, I know. That's the crazy thing. Color. Let me get yeah. two or three of them. That's the crazy thing. You know, the interesting thing is, um, you know, Uber luxury cars like Rolls Royce, Bentley, and so forth, they spent millions trying to make their combustion vehicles as quiet 
and as serene of a of an of an experience as they can. You know, tons of money on on. You know, they don't need the roar of the engine like some people that have sports cars like to really get that audible feedback. They they they've been trying and trying to get the cars quieter and quieter and do a pretty good job of it. My uncle has a Bentley in it. It's pretty damn quiet in that thing when I'm driving it, but. With the EVs, it just gave them the perfect opportunity to just do as Kyle said and just make it like dead quiet. You know, like one of those rooms that you go in and you can only stay in there for 15 minutes and you go crazy and you run out. So it probably feels like that in there. So I actually noticed I was getting slightly nauseous before we even started moving because there's no sound. It's it's a really crazy experience. So put the radio on as soon as you get in the car is what you're saying. Yeah, I, right. we we did that. We like blasted some music. It was great. We did. We tried a whole bunch of different experiments with this car. The video is going to be really long, as you can imagine, and uh, it's it's certainly going to be more for entertainment. But you will be surprised. We do have some viewers of this podcast, but also a few, at least three or four, on out of spec that uh, have deposits in for their specters. So okay. it's not like it's uh, going out into the orb. That we do have viewers with you know, this kind of purchasing power in this market. So it's, you know, we got to test everything and some days at the office are better than others. So you tested everything. I have to ask you, did you do the gray Poupon test? Uh, we did try and go find some gray Poupon. Oh, you didn't, you didn't succeed. That would have been no. the best. If you had on video rolling up to someone in a traffic light, and, you know, saying, do you need some gray Poupon and hanging it out the window? Oh, it, uh, you let me down. Now I'm not going to watch the video. Yeah, don't if it doesn't have great poupon. It's not worth it. <laughs> well, and also like, there's no need to watch the video because we we said it all here in this podcast. But well, you'll no, at least no, see everything. I want to watch the video. So uh, when when does the video come up? Because I, I I actually do want to watch it. Yeah, I haven't edited it yet, but okay. right after this show, I'm going to do that. Okay, so probably tomorrow at the latest. Then probably. I don't like timelines. I'd like to okay, get it up today. Fine. So. Yeah, I, I'd like to get it up today. Here's a here is a good question. Urban Strinkan asks, "How does it compare to Cadillac Celestique, which you haven't driven yet?" No, but I mean that's that's going to be like a, a comparison to like just to keep in mind as we go forward because I have a you know I, th I think you will have a chance to drive the the, the Celestic. Problem. Excuse me, I want to yeah, call it I Celestique. Mean, but. I'm definitely going to try and drive one of those. Um, right. It's half the price of the Spectre. Oh, is it really that much difference? Okay. I think Celestique right. is, or Celestic is 340. Right. And this right. is, you know, 600 for an average build. Right. I mean, while well, the Celestic's going to go up, it's all going to be at like a holy uh, bespoke cars as well. So I think those prices are going to go. I don't think you're not going to be able to find a $300,000 Celestic. They're going to be at least four, I think. That's a but, great comparison test. Real consumer advice we'll provide with that one. Right. Uh, right. Hey, um, so you also got to drive some other cars there besides the uh, Spectre, the i4. I saw you had a little clip of that on the track. Have, have, have you driven the i4 on the track before? Yeah, I have. I've driven i4 okay. pretty spicily uh, before. But uh, so so basically, maybe this event is called BMW Test Fest, and it's where they bring okay. some journalists from you know, around the country to the BMW Performance Center in Greer, South Carolina. And they're like, here's one of everything or multiple of everything. I think they have a hundred cars and they say, go do whatever you want. I did see that you're on the, on the drive, driving the I-4 on the track, chasing out another BMW. You did hit uh, some, some derating from the motors getting hot. 
Yeah, battery. in all of the electric cars. So so let, let me explain how the track component went yesterday. Best okay. day at the office ever, because you guys know I'm a performance driving enthusiast. This is mm-hmm. a, my favorite thing in the world is to go fast, to go sideways, to get cars into crazy situations and, you know, enjoy, you know, the chassis engineers, basically their work. And so they have a great test track here in South Carolina. You can really do some stupid things on this track. It's wonderful. And that's basically what they let us do. You know, most events that we go to, especially with automakers, they're like, ah, well, you know, save the tires, do all these things, like what, put an instructor in the car. And, you know, they, they, this event was just like, here are the keys, go have fun. And then they figured out like who was fast, who wasn't, who needed some instruction. And um, it was great because we just had the track to ourselves. We could jump in all the cars and just head out and you know they did not care if we were full sideways you know just roasting tires it was wonderful so uh we they had a selection of combustion vehicles of course their sports cars their new bmw m2 their m3 cs's which are really special and kind of cool um but but of course i'll talk about those on my personal channel but uh, they also had the bmw i5 as an official track vehicle that you could take out so they were using i5 m60s and that was a real surprise. Yes, the thermal limitations that I experienced in Portugal with the i5 were here and present. And um, so that is a real thing where BMWs, if you rip on them hard for even one or two laps, they fall on their face. They recover very quickly, which makes me think it's um, inverter temperature more than battery temperature. Um, but I know I had it with the IX M60 in Germany last week. So if there's one thing I really want BMW to work on with their battery electric cars, it's their thermal management under performance driving scenarios. You put an M badge on the car, it needs to be driven fast. Um, you know, it, it's 2023. These should have been problems from 10 years ago that are solved by now, especially for a brand centered around performance. That aside, the braking feel, the chassis engineering, the steering, the way you can you know use the car's weight to its advantage was amazing. The I-5 around this track, um, I was kind of showing some of the instructors because obviously they have extreme knowledge of the facility and they're amazing drivers. And then I have a lot of the EV nerd stuff. Uh, and so I was taking them for some laps in the I-5, showing them, you know, different ways you can drive the car and how you have to, you know, stay in the throttle, show the car what it wants to do from a drivetrain split standpoint. And we basically were doing just full drifting laps in the I-5, which they had not seen before. So it was really cool uh, to show them uh, what that car can really do. And, you know, if you drive it sensibly, it's well-tuned, it's well-calibrated. That car is, I think, the best BMW right now, the new i5 M60. If you just want a car that kind of does everything, I still love the iX. But, wow, that car is comfortable. It's very good in the corners. And it's it's really a wonderful machine. So I loved, loved that thing. Uh, I then was just, you know, they had all those cars available for track use. And I found the guy who, uh, a friend of mine who runs the BMW press fleet. I'm like, can I just take the I-4 that's parked for street drives for a few laps? And they're like, just save the tires. And I was like, that never happens. He's like, ah, okay, just take it anyway. So (laughs) I took the I-4 M50 out for some laps. And that was a disappointment. That Mm -hmm. was actually a disappointment. And it, the I-5 is way better than the I-4. Uh, the i4 actually seemed to have a bit better thermal longevity. It had great brake feel, but the chassis was not so good, uh, and it kept turning ESP back on. It wouldn't stay uh-huh. off. It's heavy to the i4, right? 
I think it's like 500 pounds heavier than the Model 3 or something. It just doesn't feel right. Like the i5 is a car that was designed to be battery electric and combustion. Uh, and you can tell that that feels like a battery electric car when you drive it. It's it's controllable. It was tuned for this. It was great. The i4 feels like someone stuck a battery in a car that wasn't supposed to have a battery. Hmm. And it drives like that on track. It was super bouncy and big body oscillations and um, yeah, just huge power limitations. It won't give you power if you have steering lock on the wheel at all. So you have to unwind the wheel for it to give you full power. So you basically get the corner done as soon as possible and try and get straight lock on the wheel. And then it gives you power super unnatural. And, Mm. you know, that's one of those cars I noticed and noted all of this when I compared the model three performance to the I four on a Canyon road. But on right. track, I was just like, oh, boy, this needs serious updates for this use case. Now, our viewers, we have many viewers who own i5. I still recommend the car. Um, and no one's complaining about this. It's just, again, you put an M badge on a car. It's got to do M stuff. It can't just right. have the appearance right. of doing M things. So that was a disappointment. But I have to say the i5 was really a standout, standout vehicle. Um, and, and actually I was talking to the instructors, they all agreed I five M 50. They're like, we don't know what the heck they did with this thing. Cause it's not good out here, but I drive I four E drive 40, the rear wheel drive one. They're like, that's a balanced old three series. You can hang the tail out. And, and that car's just tuned way better, even though it's just the rear wheel drive version. So, uh, Doug, who owns a I four E drive 40, actually the instructor, I did not have the chance to drive that one on track, but the instructor said that's their pick in the i4 lineup so mm-hmm. yeah very cool to see that yeah so so anyway yesterday was just the best day ever we were doing full skids and m2s around a wet skid pad and um yeah i met uh one of the guys who holds the world's longest drift where they refueled the m5 skid. Oh, right. so cool and uh yeah so he and i were out i think his name is matt mullins we were just out for like hours just doing laps together it was so fun I saw on Twitter you had one clip of uh, on the skid pad where you're just driving. I think it was in a gas car, actually. But you're just like circle sideways, sideways, sideways. And Yeah, we have a lot of clips of that. And then, yeah, if you go to my Instagram story, you'll see some of the hot laps I was giving in M3CSs. And, um, yeah, the M2s on the skid pad, there's more stuff on there as well. But that's combustion world. It's uh, I got to tell you, BMW builds some incredible performance cars. They always have. So, you know, that's basically what we did. You just get yourself maximum slip angle and then you just control it. And it's really, really fun. Yes. We're watching a bit of that clip on on, uh, on our live video feed here. It looks like everyone's having a good time. Yeah, it did make a couple people throw up, though. So. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, it, I it's actually, if you don't control like where you're looking, you can get pretty nauseous pretty quickly out there. So okay. really, really important to keep your eyes up. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, I guess let's move on. Uh, before we get on to some, the next thing, I wanted John Check had a, a note back here earlier, uh, and he donated us five dollars, which thank you very much. Uh, could you bring up the picture again? Where uh, who's not going to NAC yet? So this week, actually, Lucid uh, announced that they are going to the North American t- Charging Standard. That's the Tesla plug for one. Uh, I'm not sure. Do you have that handy there, Martin? I see you. Oh, do I have it handy? You give me about 15 seconds, I can find it. (laughs) Okay. And so while you're doing that, I'll also mention this comment. Uh, Dylan Womack also generously donated $4.99. 
do y'all have a Patreon or monthly membership on a social media platform? I would love to contribute on a regular basis, even if there's no perks. Uh, I think we're talking about that internally here, and we should try to have something up uh, real soon, either through Facebook or through uh, YouTube or Patreon. Um, yeah, thanks for mentioning that, though, and thanks for uh, contributing, everyone. We appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, I all will right. find it. Yes, before the all end right. of the show, I will find okay. it. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that then. Um, so, okay, before we move on, really quick, Kyle, you also stopped at a, uh, a cool charging, charging station on your way to Spartanburg uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's called Franklin's Charging. had a solar canopy, a couple of charge point CPE-250s, and a big uh, free wire unit. Uh, it was interesting that you enough that you made a, like a 45 minute video <laughs> of this place <laughs> talking with the owner and learning all about it and uh, their other location at hot springs arkansas uh now i encourage people to go back go to the out of spec reviews channel to check it out but kyle i was wondering if you could tell us about his path to profitability if you could uh, you can tell he invested like a good bit of coin in this location did it, did it seem like it's going to pay off at some point um, hard to say. We didn't get into the exact, exact numbers, but oh, okay. it's possible we'll do that in the near future with him. He seems to think there is a way to make it profitable if he dispenses, I think, roughly one megawatt hour per day is his goal. And right now, I don't think he's hit one megawatt hour per day dispensing in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, but basically, this is a boutique DC fast charging hub. Uh, he is playing around with different units, different business models, solar, uh, having vertical farming integrated and art studio integrated on the property as well. It's really a holistic approach to what happens for charging and other small businesses that can all, uh, you know, coincide together. So thought it was really fantastic, uh, really amazing. And um, here's my dad in the comments, actually. Hey, dad, good morning. Um, my dad just picked up his new car, actually. Maybe we can mention that really quick. And so he's been enjoying that. He got a Model X from Tesla, and it's a beautiful car. I think he'll have plenty of videos on the Out of Spec Dave channel, so keep an eye out on that one. And, uh, yeah, he's he's really thrilled, I think, with his X. Oh, yeah? Cool car. Saw, I'm going to steal it. <laughs> I, I did see him on, on Twitter, the, the thumbnail for a video. I think he's picking it up, possibly, or having it delivered, the delivery video. Yeah, he picked it up at the Tesla Service Center. Right. Mm -hmm. in, in Florida or up up in north? Uh, yep, in New York he got it. So, okay. uh, yep. Yeah, the whole video is there just through the process and, uh, you know, why he went for this particular car over others. So, yeah, that that's really the thing. Also want to say a huge thanks to Gary for the super chat. Of course, uh, all the uh, donations to this podcast go right back into the show. And so it allows us to do some cool things, potentially getting everyone together for a meetup and some other things like that. So uh, we, we appreciate the donations, of course. The, the other topic I just wanted to bring up really quick, sort of tangently to that Little Rock spot sure. was yeah. I drove my Rivian from Colorado to here in South Carolina. I wanted to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, it was awesome, which I know none of you were expecting me to say. The right. trip went smoothly. That's not to say I didn't have 100% perfect charging, but if every trip could go as well as this one did, I don't think we would have seen a switch to NACs, and I don't think you would have seen as many people complaining as they do. Um, 
you know, certainly we met other people along the journey that were like, this is the worst I've ever seen it in years. And they were having a rough time. I met a guy with an ID4 who is on his third trip from Canada to Texas and back. He's done it uh, every six months with this car. And he's like, I was stranded. I had to get towed. I, this was awful. Meanwhile, I'm on a different trip at the same time having the best experience I've ever had with the charging network. So a lot of it depends on the route. A lot of it depends on some planning. Um, yeah, for example, Hayes, Kansas just went offline today, which means on I-70, if you don't have a long-range car, you cannot travel on I-70 in an EV unless it's a Tesla, mm. which is a real disaster. Um, so, you know, and, it, and it, apparently it was just pulled offline. So I'm not saying it's all perfect. What I am saying is my experience driving the Rivian to here, I was able to get great power at many different charging providers, Electrify America, ChargePoint, as well as using a free wire station, um, and also level two charging at hotels. And it was great. It was really awesome. I have a whole video coming on that one. Now on the return, we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I'm actually leaving my truck out here for some time on the East Coast, and then I'm going uh, to LA. So there you go. Really fun stuff. Wow. Um, thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, thank wow. you, Dave. Chitter Kung Pao. Ah, this is my friend Dave with the yellow I4. So uh, awesome. huge thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. <laughs> wow. Don't, this is, don't up to interrupt the show for me, but uh, sorry, no, we're interrupting the show for you. Well, we have to. We have to. L last week, Dominic and I were saying we need something that happens when someone does a super chat, and we couldn't work it out. But what we were saying is we need like like a thing, but not this thing. <laughs> so like we need a thing which isn't this thing, That's by it. the way, because yeah. this is terrible. But we made a thing to illustrate a proof of concept. So for you, sir, this is the only time you will see this terrible graphic on screen. Thank you for your super chat. <laughs> <laughs> eight eight bit confetti. All right. I'm so sorry. Yeah, this uh so I was just wondering too, did you hit any EV Go chargers? Uh yep. I think two. One in Nashville, another one. Like again, it wasn't all perfect. The one EV Go charger that we hit that I remember was at a really sketchy location in the middle of the night, and we're like, we're gonna charge up just enough to get out of here. And there was a woman in a C40 in front of us. She's like, Well, I gotta get the heck out of here. So it's not all perfect, but um right. yeah, no, it was really, really good good charging experience across multiple providers. I only had one major issue, which was uh, limited to 40 kilowatts at a particular station, but I just moved the truck and then I got full power on another one. I mean, that if that's the worst, we really shouldn't yeah. complain. Right. Well, I wish I, I wish we could say that this is an indication of things improving, but I think it just got lucky. <laughs> we'll it's, very yeah. it's very possible. It's very possible. But plus you planned it also. As you said, you know, you, you probably took a look at where you were going and you didn't pull into stations that, you know, the last six check-ins said, don't come here. It doesn't work. You know, uh, it's the, if, if you do a little bit of research, you're going to, on your route, if you're taking a long trip, you're going to probably eliminate a lot of potential problems, but you can't eliminate everything. I don't think you drove anything new this week, but I understand you're putting out a video today, recapping your first 15,000 miles as a Ford F-150 Lightning owner. Uh, and again, I encourage you all to go ahead and watch that when it comes out. It should be coming out this morning, I believe. You can tell us if I'm wrong. Uh, maybe, but maybe you can give us some of the, the highlights and lowlights real quick. Yeah. So um, it's actually going to go live right after this podcast. I think I have it set around 11.10 or 11.15 or something. So if you if you guys finish this podcast and uh, have nothing else to do, just head over there and uh, it's going to be going live. 
I had meant to do a uh, one-year review. Me being me, uh, I'm always backed up. So I I got I took possession of it in early July of last year. So it's actually turned out to be a 16-month review. And I had been averaging a thousand miles a month. So I was right on target for like 12,000 miles in July. Uh, I'm falling behind a little bit because now I have the bolt and I've been using that to tool around locally a lot. So I have 15,000 miles in 16 months. And uh, I thought I'd go over some of the things that um, I really like about the vehicle and also talk about some of the shortcomings and things I, I wish uh, Ford would improve upon. I, I mean, you guys, for those that follow the the batteries included podcast, you know, uh, I'm super happy with um, my lightning. I really love it. It's, it's one of, if not my favorite electric vehicle that I've owned. Uh, I absolutely think it's, you know, uh, better than what I expected it was going to be. So um, no surprises there, but there's obviously things that uh, bother me about it. A lot of it's related to the, to the um, electronics and uh, the, you know, I'll get without giving away the video, just talk about things like my Android auto um, very frequently doesn't connect when I get in the vehicle and I have to either plug it in or, or manually go and connect it. That's really annoying. The, the phone is a key works to unlock the vehicle, but it doesn't do walk away. So it's almost like, mm -hmm. why have it? If it's not going to unlock it and lock it, don't, don't even send it out yet. And Ford pushed that out as an over the air update uh, last year and they said they were going to follow up with the walkaway pretty soon. But I mean, it's been like six or seven months, I think, at this point, and walkaway still doesn't work. And um, so that that's that's really annoying. And then a bunch of small little uh, things, nothing really major. Uh, the DC fast charging, I talked about that. It could be better. I, I find it to be just acceptable, just at the edge of, you know, it doesn't cause me to complain and say, oh, this is, you know, Ford's got to do better than this. It takes about 40 minutes to get it from 15% to 80%. It's a big battery. I'd like to see that in 30 minutes, but um, for me and my use case, uh, it works because I don't do that many long road trips. And if it means an extra 10 minutes, it doesn't really bother me. But I can understand if if you were had this truck and you were doing frequent road trips, it, it, could, it could get annoying. But you know, if you bought a pickup truck, if you need a pickup truck and you frequently need to drive very long distances, maybe maybe you got the wrong truck uh you know as particularly if you need to tow long distances it can physically do it but being able to do it and being convenient at doing it is another thing when you talk about the lack of infrastructure the lack of pull through charging stations so that's why i guess we're going to talk about the ram charger next about the plug-in hybrid we'll we'll see if that makes sense or not but uh, overall honestly uh, you know to sum it all up if you don't want to watch the video i i'm you know, still love the still love the the lightning. I think Ford did a really great job with it. Uh, they could do better at more frequent over there updates. Uh, they could do some imp charging information. You get no charging information in the vehicle, and and that drives me nuts that I can't look in the vehicle and see volts and amps and kilowatt hour draw and all that stuff. You get none of that. The app sucks. Uh, you know, but uh, overall, the 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 truck itself, uh, I'm super happy with and. Um, yeah, that video will be coming out in about an hour. Martin, I wanted to talk to you about your appearance on the Out of Spec podcast this week, but I, we only have Tom for like an hour. So I, I want to get into the news for a bit and maybe we can come back to you after, for that. There's, go and watch the Out of Spec podcast. Nothing to say about this. Um, but yeah, I joined Francie for what was going to be a quick 20 minutes. And so I channeled my true Out of Spec and we did 45 minutes. Uh, it, was, uh, it was good fun to talk about the European market versus the US market, uh, where in the US, Tesla's 50%. Over here, it's about 
12, 13 percent. Uh, and the cars that we get that the US doesn't. So go and watch that. Nothing else to say, really. Right. And so, also, Tomsi, I just got a text from her. She's grabbing Starbucks and she's on her way. So she'll join the show as oh, Tom leaves. Perfect. That's perfect. That's great. So, Dom, um, let me grab this question from David. Uh, Tom, any comment on reliability? I do talk about that in the video. I've had no problems whatsoever. Um, there's a couple of recalls going out there. One, the uh, light bar, the tail light bar is getting condensation on some vehicles. I keep checking mine. There's no condensation in mine. Uh, no other no other issues. I haven't had any problems with the truck whatsoever. So, um, you know, uh, the, the intelligent backup power that I have, uh, mine works great. Did have a problem that, that Ford had to fix it, um, but uh, it was a quick, easy, they knew exactly what was wrong with it. And, and it was actually in Ford Charge Station Pro over here was the problem. There was a module in there that wasn't connecting to the vehicle. It would charge the vehicle, but it wasn't working with the uh, Ford Charge Station Pro. And Ford knew exactly what the problem was because it had originally worked when I hooked it up. So they're like, okay, we know everything is working. And if this isn't connecting, the module in the Ford Charge Station Pro doesn't work. So they sent somebody out to monitor with my electrician. Qmerit does all my electric work here. Uh, they came, uh, opened it up, uh, and uh, they knew exactly what was going on with it. And that's when, and we talked about this before, we realized that the uh, connections inside Ford Charge Station charge system pro was starting to back out and we talked torqued them to the specifications we which you know as if you guys watch any of my videos i harp and harp on torquing all the connections to what the manufacturer specs are don't just crank on it that's why tesla in their charger actually has it listed inside the box to torque the torque requirements they print it on the plastic which is which is pretty nice. pretty cool so it's right in your face when you're tightening it you can't not see it so um, and then Ford actually, based on feedback they're getting from their, their electricians and customers, they've upped the torque level for Ford Charge Station Pro. So if any of the followers out there have one that they've had like a year ago, you 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 you're probably and you haven't um increased it if your electrician hasn't come back out uh, and and done that, you you need to open it up and um shut the power off and everything and get it get a torque wrench on there and crank them. I think it used to be 50 pound inch and now it's 80 um but there's definitely literature that you could find on that and i talk about it in in one of my videos but um th this is a problem with all electric vehicle charging equipment the higher the power uh the more of a chance you're going to see these connections start backing out and uh yeah that's why you have to have an electrician do it that knows what he's doing and knows how important the torque is and even when you do it right like we did you could have a problem so um we're gonna, there's a lot to talk about this in the coming years. Well, thanks for sharing that. And just before we get into the news, I just wanted to say that we have a, a little bit of a celebrity in our comments. Kyle, I am coming for your cannonball record as slow as possible. So Power of Light, this is a gentleman. Uh, we haven't talked to him yet, I don't think, but he is crossing the country, doing a cannonball, starting at the Red Ball Garage, going across in a Tesla Model Y, but powered solely solely by solar <laughs> that is he's, amazing he's, why is this the first time hearing about it he's he's got a, a whole array of like flexible panels in his in his back of his model y and he's like setting them up when he's stopping and like spending the day charging you know from like the solar thing that he's carrying around with him it's like kind of cool yeah we should you should have a france i think should do a little podcast on other spec with oh, him my, well he'll have time to chat so right, really right. looking forward to this yeah yeah all right, so I just want to mention that because I saw him in our comments and well, stuff. Well, maybe I can meet up with him 
in a couple weeks. I don't know how long it's going to take him. But he's I'm in Amarillo, be, I believe. He's saying. Oh wow! So he's made some distance. Okay. Yeah, I was surprised actually. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but you're headed for to LA, aren't you? Soon? Yeah. Well, I'm flying to LA and then I'm coming back here and then driving back to Colorado. So. Oh right. wow, that's a lot of solar panels. Holy yeah, smokes. right. Yeah, this, <laughs> oh my God. it's like you need a whole lot though, you know. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. This is of, the coolest thing I've ever heard. Oh, why am I just hearing about this now? All right, so I'm gonna get in touch with this guy. We got to make a bunch of videos. This is amazing. Okay, um, right on. So uh, I guess let's talk about some news. So the big product news of the week this week has to be the debut of the 2025 Ram 1500 Ram Charger. Now, to be clear, the Ram Charger is not a pure all-electric vehicle. It's a plug-in series hybrid, and some of the audience may think it, that that it doesn't qualify that it disqualifies that for discussion. But apologies to you because we're going to talk about it at least for a bit. So, one of the reasons I think it's worth talking about is because it has a huge battery for a plug-in hybrid. Ram says it's 92 kilowatt hours, but car and driver says that's the gross capacity, uh, while its usable capacity is 70.8 kilowatt hours. So if that's correct, it has a huge buffer in it, which is which kind of makes sense because it's it needs that as a uh, plug-in hybrid vehicle when the when the, the when the battery is usually discharged, it still needs a the engine can't, the generator can't put out enough power from the motor to, you know, to, uh, can't share all the power of the truck. And I'll, I'll, we'll get into that in a second. I'll give you some numbers here. You can see what I'm talking about. Um, so, right. So all electric range is 145 miles on that 70.8 kilowatt hours. So the other reason it's important is that this vehicle will be competing against electric trucks from Ford general motors and likely it's its own all electric pickup the ram rev and, and it's likely going to be driving like most of its miles on electricity so let me get uh, give you a few quick numbers to get this going so front motor is 250 kilowatts that's 335 horsepower rear motor is 238 kilowatts slightly less power there 319 horsepower and they are powered by that 92 kilowatt hour battery and a 130 kilowatt or 174 horsepower generator that's bolted to a 3.6 liter Pentastar V6. So altogether, the truck can put out 663 horsepower and 615 pound-feet of torque, and its overall range is given as 690 miles. That's with the battery and the gas tank. Zero to 60 is said to be 4.4 seconds. Um, it's rated to tow up to 14,000 pounds and has a maximum payload of 2,625 pounds, which is uh, pretty decent, I think, for a, a truck that's going to be pretty heavy. Uh, peak DC charging power is said to be 145 kilowatts. RAM doesn't give a 10 to 80% charge time. Instead, instead, they just say it can add 50 miles in 10 minutes. So, Tom, you're a truck guy. Who is RAM aiming this truck at? And what are your general impressions of it overall? So, uh, yeah, a lot to unpack. Um, mm. You know, I like to offer vehicles in all shapes and sizes. First of all, I think I think there's going to be people that are going to really appreciate this vehicle. It's not for me, but I don't have a use case that needs it. 
Um, I, you know, this is really like the, the Volt. It's a serial hybrid. It's an extended range electric vehicle. It's like the BMW i3 Rex. So it's, I don't know if it's a Rex or an EREV, but we, we, we can just call these vehicles plug-in hybrids and then have different subcategories if you want. But, right. you know, I personally, what I think is going to happen, I think a lot of people are going to buy it and then be posting about how they never buy gas. That That's what I noticed with Volt owners. So, so many Volt owners bought it. And then like, they're like, yeah, I've, I've got 28,000 miles and I've only gotten gas twice. And then I, I would look at them and say, well, you bought the wrong car. And they look at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, you didn't need a, a plug-in hybrid. You, know, you could have went full EV. If you're telling me you, you, you drove 25,000 miles on a car that can go 40 miles of range and 95% and on battery, you didn't need it, you know, but I understand some people feel like they, you know, want that security of having it there. And some people do need it. There are some use cases, businesses in particular that need to tow really long distances that a fully electric vehicle right now just can't do it. Um, but I would, you know, I might almost convince them to just buy a gas car then, uh, rather rather than this. But you know, we we th there's a we should almost do a whole podcast talk talking about this. One of the reasons that one of the things I noticed when I saw this was I was concerned that it was going to have the problem that the i three had, where um, on like if you're towing twelve thousand pounds and you're going up a long mountain range, that buffer and they were talking about having a sixteen percent battery buffer left when that when the range extender kicks on. And I was doing the math and I said, that's not going to work. It, it won't. It'll run out as you're going up like the reg, like the Rex did and, and go into limp mode. But then I read when you put it in tow mode, it reserves 35% of the battery. Oh. So now, so, 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 right. So now you've got, you know, I don't even know how many it is, 30, no, 25, 20, around 22, 23 kilowatt hour in the lower end buffer. And now this thing's pumping, I think 175 horsepower and, um, and, and charging it. So you could still run it out. I mean, if Kyle put a trailer on this thing and took it up mountain passes and, and put 14,000 pounds on that trailer, or whatever did the maximum you, you, I think it'll run out if you use the extreme case and it'll go into limp mode, but that it's such a small case. I don't think people are going to do that. You'd, you'd have to intentionally do it, which a lot of people did with the I three just to like make a video of it running out and journalists uh, uh, showing it on the side of the road, you know, in limp mode. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to work for a lot of people. I, I do think it's going to be attractive for some people because there's so many people that want uh, to possibly go into electrification, but are concerned about range and towing with pickup trucks. I just, to me, one of the beautiful things about businesses using electric vehicles, besides the emissions and, and that stuff, is the low operating cost. And with this, you're not going to really get that. It's going to be a some saving, but really not much. And uh, you know when you're when you're publicly um, uh, driving on for public infrastructure, it, it almost would be cheaper to buy gas in some in in some instances for it. So you know I, I'm not I'm you know for like I said for me this is not a vehicle I wouldn't be interested in something like this. I think fleet managers really have to look at the the total cost, the running cost, to decide if this makes sense or not. The electric vehicles make sense with fleets if the use case can fit if 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 what the business needs the truck to do the ev truck will absolutely end up you'll be above water it'll take you a few years even if you paid an extra ten thousand dollars or whatever it is for the vehicle 
it's you're going to save money with with uh, brakes, with, um, you know, refueling, with not having pretty much any maintenance to deal with. But now this, you need a lot of regular maintenance as well as, you know, all the stuff. It's, you know, people talk about these plug-in hybrids being neither fish nor fowl. That's what I kind of, that's my personal opinion of them. But with all that said, I think it makes sense for a lot of people. I'm glad Dodge put something like this out. And I know some businesses this will make a lot of sense for. I just don't know what that percentage is. Certainly, um, middle America and, um, you know, where there's not good charging infrastructure, uh, people that need to tow a lot frequently. But then I don't know, should those people just go for a combustion truck and save their money? Because this has got to cost more. You've got two powertrains. You've got a big, that big uh, 90 kilowatt hour battery packs is going to add a lot of cost to this. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I'm glad they put it out. It's not for me. That's, that's I guess, my bottom line. Right. Yeah, I, I see it as a really for a, a commercial towing is kind of the use case I see for it because I don't know, Kyle, how much do you think this thing's going to cost? A lot, but I love it. I'm surprised you guys aren't as into it as I am. Oh, I mean, that's Tom. I haven't heard my thoughts about it. but Okay, okay. Yeah, well, let's hear your thoughts, Tom. I mean, I'm really an all-electric guy, but and I understand the use case for this. I mean, this really opens up, you know, towing like commercial applications for this, and and there it's, uh, it will end up besides being driving on, you know, electricity for a good amount of the time. Each of these trucks, when it does burn fuel, I suspect it's going to have a really decent uh, fuel mileage rating. There's no no transmission. There's no drive shaft. It's it's all you know fed to the motor. So it's the motor is running at this kind of peak efficient uh, range, feeding the feeding it feeds the battery directly. It doesn't feed the motors and the battery. It goes right into the battery. Um, yeah. So for certain applications, I think it's going to be super great. But I'm not sure how. I don't know. Let's see how big a chunk that there is of that market for it because. Yeah, or how it competes with other like meat or heavy duty trucks as well. I mean, fourteen thousand pounds. I think what's the what's the twenty five hundred heavy duty pickup truck pull like twenty thousand pounds? You know, off the top of your head. Oh uh, yeah, so I mean, you can tow up to to twenty twenty six twenty seven thousand pounds now with like a normal F three fifty dually or something crazy. So yeah, right. Oh, right, right. So this is kind of in there. Some it's not quite up to that level so it's you know in, in the middle ground it's still a light duty truck i mean it's a it's an right. f-150 competitor it's not it's not meant to do heavy duty work in my opinion right but, but i think if you so if you have a, a business and you're putting a, like a lot of miles on your vehicles i think this will save you money over the long run but for most buyers like retail buyers i think it's going to be too expensive so I think the other way around, I'm not okay. sure I see the business case for this at all okay. because it's uh, going to be extremely expensive up front and you still right. have to factor in maintenance and fuel. So your TCO goes through the roof with this thing. The thing that I like about it is a bit of like the early I3 uh, range extended situation, which right. was that's a battery electric vehicle. You get an EV driving experience. You get all the benefits of an EV with fast charging. You can drive it as an electric car. But you have the little scooter motor in that, and in this case, a Pentastar V6, which is, I think, <laughs> crazy. But, you know, whatever. I like yeah. excess. So big batteries, big motors, sign me up. Um, 
And now you can drive it as a truck and you don't have to worry about it. So, you know, 90% of the time this will be driven as an EV around town. For me, a trip from Fort Collins to Denver, I could easily do electric. Uh, but as soon as I throw a trailer on this thing, which I tow a lot, especially in rough terrain in Colorado, we, um, you know, we need, I, this is like built for me. I need a combustion engine. I'm kind of tired of towing with electric. And so this is really a great solution. Now the battery's huge. The engine seems to output really good, consistent power. They definitely do not want the stories of these things on the side of the road. I think Tom's saying we could run it out in the mountains. I'm not sure we can. I, I think it'd be really interesting. I mean, the, the hill climbs are only a few miles long and then you're on a downhill recharging. So even if you go wide open up the, the uh, entire hill climb, I'm not sure you could burn the battery out. Either way, what I'm saying is I think this is going to be a huge incentive to get truck owners, to get people who want to drive electric, but actually can't because an EV isn't capable enough today into an EV with this range extender to kick on occasionally. And the price will be astronomical, just like I3 range extenders were extremely astronomical and eventually will go away. But this is what I've been asking for for months and years. I wanted a van, a range extended van, range extended trucks. This is this is what we need for today's market and today's tech. So I have to I have to take off, guys. But before I, I leave, I'm just going to add one more comment about this. And, and I'm not... I'm not saying it's not going to work and people will like it. I, I I think they will. It's not for my use case. Everybody has different use cases. Kyle has a very different use case than I do. But here's the deal breaker for me. No frunk. Oh. The best thing about my Lightning is that damn frunk. I use it all the time. I absolutely love it. And you lose that for this. It's, 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 it's huge storage space that's secure. Tools go in there. You don't have to put a box in the back of the truck. And that, that to me is, is a killer. I, you know, I, I, honestly, it's, it sounds stupid, but if I didn't have the frunk on the lightning, it would be such a, a my, my ownership experience would not be nearly as good as it is. I just love that thing. I used it this morning. I was at Home Depot at like 545 this morning and I filled up the trunk, the, the, the frunk with, with 12 bags of sand and some connections and stuff. I'm, I'm doing a project next to my house. And I just absolutely love it. I love that I didn't have to go into the bed and climb into the bed and load the stuff and then bend my back, getting that sand out. I just put it all up in the front. I probably overloaded it. The truck was tilted down. But like that to me is just the best. So anyway, guys, I have to take off. I have some things going on at the house that I'm working on. Have a good week. I'll catch you next week. All right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Guys. That's a that's a great visual. Usually, when you you know you load up your truck, it's sitting like this way. We just you get in, you're looking at the sky. But in Tom, when Tom does it, you know, he's like the other way yeah, around. The truck is stuck in the panic stop situation all the time in Tom's truck. <laughs> right, the opposite of Carolina squat. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, we need to come up with a name for that. Um, yeah. So the range on this thing when it's um, I believe with the gas engine and everything with, and the electric thing is like maybe 300 miles when towing, I think is the number that I saw thrown out there. I'm not sure, you know, how, I mean, that's going to change depending on what you're pulling, you know, the, the less aerodynamic, the, the fewer miles you're going to get towing. But, uh, so the competition so three times the mileage, three times the mileage as you get in a battery electric truck. 
three times or double? Because I'm thinking 300. So if you have like a the Silverado EV, which has a 200 kilowatt hour pack ish, that should get 200 200 miles towing. Uh, if it's not too right. crazy, sure, that's uh, fair. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking comparing it to you can't buy a Silverado right now. I guess you can't buy this either. But I'm thinking of right. this versus a Rivian or a Lightning. Those are 100 mile real world. And keep in mind the chargers aren't spaced 100 miles apart. So you're right, always right. getting 70 miles, 60 miles, sometimes 40 miles on a charge when towing because you have to use that with the infrastructure. Then you're trying to haul this big ass truck and trailer in these tiny little Walmart parking lots, pissing the entire population off of that city. And it's just not fun towing with an EV. It's, I would say, I would never recommend someone to tow with an electric truck on a road trip today. And this completely solves that problem. And, and you say this from experience because you've towed, like, was it your leaf from Colorado, North Colorado, all the way to San Diego or something? Yeah, but I also towed to Washington. I've towed to the East Coast. I've done. Right, right. Uh, you've you done know, a lot of towing, 15, is what I'm, what I'm saying. 15, so 20,000 miles towing with my Rivian. Yeah. Right. You have as much experience with towing it with the EVs as probably anybody. Hey, Francie, we need to hear about your, your opinion about this thing, too. Can here. you hear me? Can you hear me? All right? Try, say it again. Can you hear me? Uh, I can. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. perfect. Great. Okay, great. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Also, um, and you're talking about like long range hauling, right? But I think this would also be really helpful for, for instance, anecdotally. But I've talked to a lot of like conservation effort groups that need to tow things like locally around their rivers or whatever. But they and they've wanted to go EV, but they haven't been able to because, of course, that's aligned with their mission because they just can't do the range. They still have to go far, but um, it sounds like this would be a great use case for them as well. Right on. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think really the use case is if you're not towing, this doesn't make sense. If you are going to tow for any bit of distance, this is the only option at the moment in an electric truck. Right. And when you do run out, the, the refill is fast. You know, you just go to the gas station, you fill up. Is all the gas stations to pull through so you don't have to worry about, you know, undoing your trailer or whatever, and you just keep on going. You know, yeah, right? it's the future. You fill up in four minutes. It's crazy. Right. Power of Light makes a point here. I would like to see a bed mount range extender with a charge port in the bed that can integrate range extender, ice battery, or trailer integrated battery. Trailer and battery, yeah. Integration of batteries and trailers is uh, also a good development. Uh, interesting. We've seen that with some RV uh, trailers actually now that, what was that? Oh, there was, a, there was, there was two, right? There was one. There's Lightship. Lightship. And then there was one more recently, another one. Yes. You have, a, you have a thumb on your face for some reason there. Okay, it's gone. Oh, when you do this, it does that sometimes. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that's Martin. Hey, thank you, Kayvon, uh, for that uh, donation. Um, all right. So I don't know. So this comes out, I guess it's a 2025 model. It sounds like it might come out early 2025. And I'm not sure if it's going to get here next year. I don't know. You hear, hear anything about that? No, we're going to talk to them at the LA Auto Show. 
So we'll right, be there, there. And so we're going to hopefully check it out. I hope it's there. Um, this, this to me, look, I know we're trying to move away from gas. You can't just flip the switch for every use case. I drive right. electric every day. I push electric cars harder than even I want to sometimes, especially from the towing side. It's just not feasible today. Certainly a Silverado is the best use case for towing, but then you're putting 200 plus, 240 kilowatt hours worth of batteries in your truck, and you still have the charging port in the most inconvenient place for towing with that vehicle. It's a pain in the ass no matter which way you do it. This means you can drive electric 99% of the time, but when you need a truck for truck stuff, you can still do it. And yeah, you're burning some fuel, but honestly, this is amazing. Uh, Volts are a very interesting range extended EV concept as well. Um, actually, I'm trying to convince my dad to buy a Volt. It's a car we've never covered on our channel, but I think that drivetrain and that logic is way ahead of its time and would work perfectly for a Silverado or a truck or a van or an RV or something like this. Uh, oh, there, you're frozen up there again. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, infrastructure. Oh, yeah, oh. sorry. It's okay. It's about 15 seconds, basically. Um, okay. You get the idea. We love it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we can move on. Actually, Martin, did you have anything you wanted to say about that? Oh, these guys nailed it with use case. Uh, we don't have to solve all use cases with all vehicles. Um, and this is a specific use case, I think, uh, so that you don't end up with a compromise vehicle. Um, because we own, we still have a diesel Golf, as well as two EVs. Um, I'm not Mr. EV hitting you over the head saying you must drive an electric vehicle. We do because we have solar panels and because I prefer them. And I really dislike getting back into our diesel if we ever drive it. But I'm not going to tell anyone they can't drive a diesel. Because if we electrify 95% of the roads and the travel, think about how clean our air is going to be. Think about how much money we're going to save. Think about the vehicles that we drive. Like, this is going to be fascinating how they manage the, the, the torque and the demand on these electric motors. In theory, whether you're hauling or not hauling, you should have a very similar experience in this truck. Whereas think about when you hook up a big trailer in a combustion car, you feel the weight immediately. And you you know, the engine's working harder. Get the software right on this and you'll never know you're towing. There's loads of benefits uh, to this. And uh, again, as Tom says, it wouldn't be for me, plug-in hybrids aren't for me. If people charge this at home, and drive around day-to-day -day on electric, they may never use the petrol engine. In which case, you might ask them, if you're going on a road trip twice a year where you're, you're hauling or something, why don't you just hire a truck? Right. Uh, and that's a good question to ask. But people like to own stuff, and that's their business, and I'm not going to tell people how to live their lives. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting concept. I don't know if it's, if it's, the, if it's the perfect combination or the worst of, of bringing two things together but it depends on price as well because if you're a fleet you're not going to buy this if you're a fleet if your use case is 100 miles a day or work trucks or you're not towing because it is going to be expensive Correct. so yeah it's all about use case and it's not about saying well this is how i use an electric vehicle therefore i must impose that on the rest of the world so i think let's be understanding oh i want to address how they marketed it which was stupid 
I do have an opinion on that. Calling it unlimited battery range, that's just daft. That's just a, that's a, that's a chief marketing officer who spent six months in focus groups telling the CEO, here's the line that you're saying, uh, because this is going to land with our audience. Stupid, daft, ridiculous. They should never say that word again. Unlimited battery range. Idiot, idiotic comment. Because I hate it when companies and corporations treat me like a fool. I'm not spending my money with companies that take me, think I'm some, some kind of idiot. Of course it hasn't got unlimited battery range. You either charge it or you put petrol inside it. Either way, I don't care. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, also ending off by saying you never have to charge this thing. I'm like, my issue with Toyota is not that they don't want to make EVs. That's fair play. Uh, everyone, everyone can do their thing. It's the amount of money they spend on anti-EV propaganda. Because I'm like, don't tell me I'm wrong. Just like, leave me alone, Toyota. And so I hope that Ram don't go down the marketing avenue of charging's bad. This is the best solution. Just say, this is one solution. Like this is, we're going to make all electric trucks, the Ram Rev 1500. We're going to make this. We're going to make this. We'll make combustion cars, trucks all the time. You choose. Like, you're intelligent. You're an intelligent consumer. We'll give you all the information you pick. So I didn't like that. I think, I hope that's the last time they ever use that kind of unlimited range thing. Because I'm like, nah, don't treat me like a mug. Um, no one believes it. Stupid line to use. And I think it diminished what was a brilliant product launch. Uh, it was a really, really good truck. So, uh, and of course, we'll never get them here because we haven't got truck culture. Right. Or roads wide enough to handle them. Yeah, um, there's a few imported F-150s, and they don't fit. <laughs> so, so while we're talking about different tech for the transition, we this was not a part of the show, but I think it could be interesting. Okay. Uh, Francie drove and did a whole bunch of stuff with BMW on their hydrogen programs. Okay. So maybe you can share what that was like. Right. So definitely a different kind of powering your vehicle that is a bit controversial um but yeah bmw is exploring the technology of how to have hydrogen powered evs um so they had one immediately after driving ice and ev cars and essentially it, it, it felt great it felt like an ev i want to say that it felt different because it's powered differently but not really it, right. it really isn't but that's kind of nice so it's familiar um of course, there's the question of if that is the right use case for hydrogen, the individual car, or if we should go bigger scale or whatever it is. But there seems to be an argument there as well that there's a balance between EV and hydrogen that, of course, like I'll dive into on the Out of Spec podcast and stuff. But it was it was pretty cool. They had them there for you to really try and experience that it's possible and um, also had a great presentation on the background that BMW is doing with this research and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. And it'll be interesting to see, they apparently are going to go forward with it. They're going to start small and then just keep expanding like a little pyramid um, with the models that they are interested in. So it'll be cool to see what happens. Uh, but I think, yeah, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on hydrogen. My thing is, I think it's dumb. Uh, so, you know, the, the I, I, we had dinner with the head of the BMW hydrogen team and obviously it was an interesting dinner because I feel one way, he feels very <laughs> differently. Uh, but but I, I, my main point to him was I'm not against hydrogen. I Some of our most popular videos, some of my biggest interests are with hydrogen. Uh, some of you guys may know we have a hydrogen fueling station at our office and I want to get that turned on and buy a Mirai and live with one and just be on a leash to the office. I think it'd be really fun. But um, 
the thing is the infrastructure just isn't there right now. We've already been building out the EV infrastructure and it's we're so far ahead. So my point to BMW was look at what Tesla did with the supercharger network. They they believed in electric and they built out the network and now you're using a competitor's charging network. If you really believe in hydrogen, just build out your own damn network and make it work. And if you want to, you know, take a, and then you can let other OEs use it. I'm like, until you put in a huge investment to actually make this work, we're just talking about hypotheticals that likely won't happen at this point. Right. And just to underline that, I would suggest people go read this article, like just Google it, Liebreich, the unbearable lightness of hydrogen. It's just uh, he is not a believer in hydrogen having a future in the in the light vehicle transport and even possibly the heavy vehicle transport uh, anyway it's uh, some really great articles it's really long uh really great points and it's definitely worth spending some time on at least even if you're in favor of hydrogen just the you know see what the p- people are making ar- the arguments people make against it but then also watch we have a podcast we filmed his presentation oh. so get both sides of the equation yeah yeah definitely. you can see a very pro hydrogen mm-hmm. thing on out of spec podcast coming with i think it's important that we don't just shut it down you know my like i said my impression right now is it's dumb right now but i do like the idea of it for aerospace i like the idea of it for class 8 semi-use i like the idea of it for construction equipment yeah you can't store it without losses for a long period of time but is are there ways that we can improve that like i'm not against hydrogen i just think it's definitely like there's a few people who are like it's hydrogen or nothing and bmw is definitely not saying that they're saying it's a mix of all these things but um yeah i just thought it was really funny to have dinner with that dude and uh yeah i learned a lot it was really great yeah are they still buying in toyota's stuff or are they doing their own now or how does that work yeah so the fuel cells are from toyota but bmw assembles the entire stack is that how it's called and then they also do their uh it's a bmw motor bmw battery Um, the only thing that comes from toyota is just the cells themselves and they passed one around i got to hold one it was really cool never seen anything like it before um very cool yeah we talked a lot about how you know the the engineering team who built the ix5 hydrogen was there and talked a lot about nvh and performance and sustained performance because it only has a two kilowatt hour battery pack but it can sit at top speed all day in germany like they they only built 100 but they took the time to use it and treat it as a series production model and they're unbelievably well tuned and um for a hydrogen it's by far the best hydrogen vehicle on the market rivian was in the news this week it reported its uh, third quarter earnings and outlook and it was all pretty positive it lost less money than expected it says it's going to uh, may produce fifty-four thousand vehicles this year which is four thousand more than it was saying it would and and while that's all great the, uh, the news that we really liked or I, I really like this week is that Rivian is ending its exclusivity arrangement with Amazon and will now take orders for its electric delivery vans from other companies around the world. Around the world, I said. <laughs> They've just stuck that phrase in there. So I'm thinking, oh, I didn't, so they're maybe also going to do some international expansion at this point. Uh, but so Rivian offers two sizes, the delivery 500 which starts this, I believe, at $83,000 and the delivery 700, which uh, I found a graphic is $87,000. So $4,000 uh, split. And I believe the, the bigger one is like seven and a half inch longer, longer than the shorter one. And they're, you know, they're both pretty uh, 
uh, there's a lot of volume inside. Uh, RJ Scringe says Amazon is and will remain a key partner for us. And we look forward to continuing to work closely with the Amazon team as we help them to achieve their climate pledge goal. So just throwing that out there to let us know that, you know, it's not ending with uh, Amazon. They still have that deal in place. They're still partners, but, uh, you know, other, they're going to be selling to other people. So Kyle, besides these vans going to companies that will use it for what's specifically designed for delivering packages, there is a possibility, maybe a slim one, that it could be also upfitted as an RV but with a range of only 201 miles, I think the ones in the Amazon fleet are software limited to 150 miles. Is But 200 miles, is, is that too, uh, too low a range for an RV upfitter to take a chance on this as a platform? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is the range extender works great. I mean, they're going to be, you know, if it's EPA rated at 200 miles, you're getting, right. because I think they use the LFP standard range batteries in these things. So it has the Chinese battery in it. Mm, um, at least that's what I'm the Amazon sure. ones have. I, I saw the graphic I looked at. I think it said MCM batteries in. Oh, front so maybe drive. they're putting a large pack. So the Amazon ones, everyone that was built since January of this year uses the LFP small battery. Okay. Um, uh, but maybe for the consumer ones, they're not putting that battery in there. I don't know. Um, we have to ask them, but either way, I think, um, certainly for some people who like, you know, when you have your house with you, who cares how long it takes to stop and charge, but people also use RVs to get places. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of RVers cover huge distance in, you know, really windy conditions through the middle of the country. So your 200 mile range turns into a hundred effective and you're just pushing a brick of air across. And, um, yeah, it's just not enough for most RVers. Even right. my sprinter range, I have a diesel sprinter, which would be, you know, hopefully I'm looking to replace that with an electric solution or a range extended solution uh, mm -hmm. at some point. And I, I think I get maybe 280 miles on a full tank of diesel, roughly. And even that okay. feels a bit annoyingly low. Right. I'm not sure if there's going to be anything better than that for a while, though, because like the biggest, well, the Bright Drop van is the only other one I can think of off the top of my head that. No, you're shaking. Your yeah, head. it's just like the Rivian van so much cooler looking than the Bright Drop. It's van. cooler looking, sure, but I mean, if you do it up as an RV and have like, I was gonna say like a paint scheme or a wrap or something, kind of deal with some of the styling issues, you know. It's yeah, like the Bright Drop but, vans uh, look yeah, kind of commercial. Maybe... They don't look. They're not very warm and fuzzy. The Rivian van is friendly with the round lights. You know, it's got that friendly face. Certainly people will outfit them. It could be an interesting series for us to do that, to buy one, to upfit it and uh, see what it's like as an RV and send Francie around the world in that thing. And uh, it could be really fun. So yeah, it's it's definitely doable. It's possible. It's not for everyone. It could be for a select few who are EV nerds. I've seen a lot of upfitters that do thousands out of trucks. Well, they, right. They're not going to do like one or two vehicles. Yes, you're you know, totally right. RVs. They're, they're going to do like dozens, maybe hundreds you know, absolutely. Right. So if it is not like a, a, an addressable market for like an RV with 200 miles of range, it's likely not going to happen. I mean, if like, because an up, an RV upfitter is not going to buy like six of them and, you know, put them out there as a model, right. They're, they want to be able to have hundreds. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think we'll see enough. There's enough use cases for the vans out there to keep them in production and for uh, for them to be going everywhere. Uh, In in many places, we probably can't even think of at the moment, but there's enough demand for this type of thing. I just don't think RVing is it. Jordan was just that pollster day, which I kind of wish we could have been able to talk to uh, talk about a bit. but they had, I guess they had a few food trucks there spewing diesel. I heard actually food trucks are getting into batteries now. Like a lot of them are adopting batteries as a, a power source. So they don't have that generator behind them all day, like, you know, making fumes and noises and, and everything. But uh, so real quick, we're almost out of time. Um, I wanted to get to one last thing. Oh, Lucid. They were also in the news this week and they also reported their third quarter earnings, which... It's just that they weren't as rosy as Rivian's. Uh, so while its recent financial results are pretty terrible and investors and fans of the brands may have some reason to uh, hope for positive change, the company has created a new executive role of chief operating officer and hired a gentleman named Mark Winterhoff to fill it. Uh, obviously, it's too soon to know whether he can turn around their fortunes, but he's joining the company uh, just before they... Uh, unveil or debut their second product, the Gravity SUV. That's going to come out this week, I believe, at probably at the uh, LA Auto Show, I would imagine, because that's happening. We'll be talking about that on the next week's show, a lot of LA Auto Show action. That's going to be a pretty good show, I think. Um, right. And they also, as Martin mentioned earlier in the show, that they adopted NAX, the North American charging standard from Tesla, this week. So any quick thoughts on on that? The CEO, I mean, you've, you've met the... Uh, You've talked to the Lucid team at all. Do you think that's what they need, like a chief operating officer, somebody to kind of herd the cats and and get them moving in a better direction? You know, I'm not a good company analyst, so I don't I don't know. I, I don't know what kind of situation the company's in. I'll say they built an incredible car. Uh, you know, it's probably the best driving EV, if not one of the best driving EVs somewhere around there on the market. They have a great product. Uh, my opinion is it just needs a little bit better software. It needs a better infrastructure to support that vehicle. And, you know, as someone I think I've probably done more miles in Lucid than most owners, most anyone, and so really know this car extremely well. And they have a great product. It needs some fine tunings, which is not unusual for a first brand. Uh, for my opinion, the the gravity, this the whole future of the company rests on the gravity, at least from a product standpoint. They mm-hmm. learned what people liked and didn't like from the air. The gravity is, you know, so important to the brand and its future. And uh, you know, I mentioned when I went to Lucid recently, I saw. I don't even know, 50 or 100 of them all being worked on and, uh, you know, prepared for testing miles, final validation, all of those things. And I can't wait to see it uncovered. I have not seen a an uncovered gravity yet, but I know the team put a lot of effort into it. In terms of the company's financial situation, I, I, I just don't know enough to comment. Right. Somebody asked me about, about it this week uh, on threads and I, uh, I said, everyone you know, tells a, me it's bad, oh, but I don't know what to believe. Oh, sorry, I missed that last 10 seconds. You were frozen. What, what we're telling you was oh, bad. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. What, what was bad? Oh, everyone tells me the company's, everyone tells me the company's uh, financial position is terrible. But again, I, I feel like those are people that inherently are almost against Lucid. So I don't know what to believe or what not to believe. I'm not, that's not my world. I review cars, not companies. 
Sure. Um, some, yeah, some, so I was just saying, somebody asked me about the company, what was my take on, on Lucid this week? And uh, so I said, it, you know, they've got great, uh, they have a great me- mechanical product. It's kind of let down by its software. And I think at this point, it's pretty clear that uh, they need some upper management changes. And then I learned about this new CEO position opening up like the next day. So it's like, oh, okay. It's, I, th- I think it's pretty positive news, actually. I mean, there's at least a chance that we have to wait to see what this, I mean, they have a good lifeline, but they're being backed by the, uh, the Saudi uh, fund, the PIF fund. Um, so they have some leash, they have some runway still, but they really do, do they really need to turn their fortunes around. Definitely. And the gravity could be the, the vehicle that does it. And they've, they've gone through a lot of teething problems with the air, with the sedan. And so I'm, I'm really hoping that the the gravity kind of comes out with its software much improved uh, over, over how the air launched anyway. Well, the air launched with really bad software, but we do have to give them some credit where they issued a ton of software updates. I know they took a lot of our feedback in shaping the software. It still isn't perfect. Again, I haven't driven the car in the last couple months, so there's been some time gap since I've last been in them. I've heard of even more software updates since then, but the fact that the driver assistance doesn't even do lane changes and all these little things, it's like, okay, we, you just got to get all that stuff dialed in. Um, and now that, of course, with the NAX support is great. I'm really curious how they're going to plan to do their booster in the vehicle. When I was there, we were talking about a few different options they had. I don't know which they decided to go with to uh, do more than you know 43 or 45 kilowatts on a version three or version uh, yeah version three supercharger. They now, of course, have vehicle-to-vehicle charging. It's actually using the mobile connector. It's just a J1772 plug on the input side rather than like a NEMA 1450 outlet or something. I love how they're charging a Model S in this photo. Right. It's, it's a little cheeky. After the same week that they adopted the, the Tesla North American charging standard, they, they do this vehicle-to-vehicle charging announcement and charge a, a Tesla with it. And it's a Model S with broken door handles. You can see only the front <laughs> door handle is popped out and the rear oh. one is in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hadn't noticed that. Good eye. Good eye. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, look, I love it. I love the sense of competition. You can't just have one company doing it all. I mean, and I I really hope Lucid and Tesla get into this little technical rivalry in the future. Of course, it sounds like Lucid has some stuff they need to sort out from a company perspective. But once they're hopefully all sorted, this Lucid versus Tesla versus the Germans versus the Chinese in the EV space, I mean, what a time to be alive. It's crazy. Right. Hey, hey, Francie, have you spent much time looking at the Lucid situation? If you, I was just wondering if you have any thoughts about the CEO position. Um, I, I think reinvesting into the, or, you know, investing more into the leadership can be a good sign, but you never know what comes next. It could also be tumultuous, but hopefully he, I don't know his background, of course, so don't know exactly what he's bringing to Lucid. But yeah, I think a lot of what they need to do is make sure that their offering is even more and more obvious uh, to consumers if they're going to compete and bring those numbers back up. I mean, it's a difficult space to be in. There's potential there, as we've seen. Uh, so, yeah, I think the competition is great. Like you said, dialing in more of the things that they need to really just be clear as the clear option, like when there's other brands that have that loyalty already who are introducing EVs. So I think they're in a difficult position, 
and we'll have to see. And they face a lot of doubt. But I think this could be a good sign. But like we've all said, we're just not sure what this guy will bring along or exactly what that is a a flag indicating here. Right. Well, speaking of flagging indicating, Kyle, so um, so the Batteries Included podcast has this other new series called uh, Battery Bargains. We're doing this usually on Monday mornings where we take uh, emails from real viewers and try to match them up with a vehicle that's electric vehicle that's right for their situation. Uh, and we use uh, some we use cars.com. It's not a sponsor a lot, but we use you know, cars.com to look up vehicles and stuff. And this week we noticed that their Tesla is selling new cars on test on cars.com now they weren't there before like there was like like a few thousand like brand new teslas on that site and, and he's, hmm. does that cool. surprise you at all or is that now, are they pulling like a, a lever of some kind or? yeah they got inventory tell people they got inventory some more okay. cars okay i mean they have their own inventory site i just thought it was a it's a, you know it was odd to see them on on, on like this after not being on cars.com, you know, with their new, with their new inventory, because they don't sell through dealers, you know, dealers go on there mm -hmm. and they have, you know, all kinds of new vehicles from all the automakers on there. But Tesla was one that wasn't there. We had to open up a separate, you know, the Tesla website to get the pricing on those things. When we're I think you'll see the last eight weeks of the year, tons of every lever these companies can pull quarter four is probably going to be pretty weak is my guess across the industry for electric cars, because oh, yeah. if you just wait another eight weeks, cash on the hood, 7,500 bucks. Mm, but maybe some cars are losing their, uh, like I heard the Mustang Mach-E might be losing some of that cash, some of the incentive. I'm not sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and so it's, I'm sure very vehicle specific. Yes. But I think, uh, yeah, I, my impression is most people are waiting till next year. I mean, uh, a friend of mine who's borrowing my model three is driving it just so she can buy a car January 1st. Okay. Oh, yep. there you go. So anecdotally, that seems to be the case. At yep. least. All right. Um, I don't know. Just put out of here, Martin, got any, anything you want to share? Yeah, I finally found the graphic that I promised I'd find John, so I'm so sorry that took like an hour. <laughs> like, I totally forgot where I found it. So it's a, it's a Twitter, it's an X account by a chap called Richard Smith, uh, who is in his bio, says, Samsung, Tesla, Lambo, Gravity Falls, Rick and Morty, Futurama. So he's okay with me. And uh, he says um, that uh, I can't find it on his actual profile, uh, but uh, it is, I think, on his, uh, on his Twitter account. He's made this graphic. It's certainly his you know, his at thing down here. Uh, and um, and thank you, Richard, for doing that, just to keep us all, you know, informed. Uh, so, yeah, John and everyone that wanted this, that's his, his X account. If you want to go and have a look and follow him, and um, that's where I found this, and I showed it in the video at the start to uh, just to visually see who's in, who's out. It's, um, yeah, some big names there that haven't jumped in, but they will. We know they will. It's just when, and how do they spin it that they waited so long? You know, the likes yeah. of the Ferraris and the Vinfasts and the McLarens don't matter. So the ones right. down here, that's fine. Um, but it's these two big groups. And so, and actually, actually, those are the two biggest groups in 
Europe. So if you look at EV sales in Europe, uh, VW lead the way with about 20%, and Stellantis is on about 15% of the EV market over here. And then you've got uh, Tesla and BMW a bit closer down towards the 10s. Actually, maybe Tesla's about 13% over this summer, and BMW's around 10 of the EV market. So um, yeah, those are the two big groups that sell loads of cars with CCS2 plugs on the side, and they're in no hurry to announce snacks. But um, and also what I thought was interesting was Elon Musk went on a, a bit of a, uh, um, hey, uh, what's the best word? <laughs> I mean, there's no, I think there's there's some bad blood between Peter Rawlinson and, and Elon Musk. Sure. And so when Lucid made the announcement, Elon was on X, you know, I, if you want to use the word gloating, um, but uh, but certainly laying into Lucid in a way that, again, if I worked at a competitor car company, I'd think... Oh, man, do I need to kind of get in bed with Elon Musk? And so at some point, I would, if I was VW and Stellantis, drip the news out. Don't bait him. Don't get any negative publicity. Just say, hey, guys, we're doing it too. And, you know, do the deals in the back rooms because, uh, yeah, he's so, you know, so powerful and so influential. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of him. So there you go. Mark Norman uh, generously donated us uh, $10, which thank you very much. And he says, sorry to plug another show, but the latest Engineering Explained featuring the two Jasons is amazing fun with the Lucid Air Sapphire. Yeah, this uh, is awesome. It was an, ac an accidental video because they were both at the same thing at the same time. And it, which, go and watch which, it. It's brilliant. Who's the other Jason? I know Jason Fenske. He's great. Yeah. Jason uh, engineering Explained is... Sorry? Jason Kamisa. Kamisa. Oh, oh, that's could be good. Jason Kamisa makes incredible videos for who does he make the videos for? Uh, Haggerty. Ha Haggerty. Haggerty, that's right. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's very good at what he does. Yeah, that'd be great to see that. I need to see that myself then. Yeah, I haven't it's watched very it. It's flagged. I have it saved. I got so many videos saying it's ridiculous. My watch later list just gets longer and longer and longer on YouTube, and I'm like. Yeah, I, I was lucky to spend some time with Jason in, in Vietnam, actually, uh, just chatting a little bit. We didn't spend that much time together, but I did get a chance to finally see him. I'd watched his videos for years, and I was kind of a fan. And then I see him coming through the airport. I was like, oh, very excited. Anyway, uh, all right. So I guess we should probably call it. We're, oh, yeah, we're over our time. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please leave them below or get in touch with us on our on the social media platform of your choice. Don't forget, if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up, click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you all very much for joining us, and thank thank you for your <laughs> very generous donations this week. That's great to see, and wow. I guess we'll see about uh, getting a Patreon set up as well. Uh, right, so we'll see you all again very soon. Thanks for joining us and ciao.